and welcome to episode 504 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hello, Adam. How's it going? Good. I'm in the office. You're in the office. How's it feel? Weird. It is so weird. There is literally like nobody here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the only person I have seen, um, I saw our uh, CEO, but that's only because we were walking in at the same time. Um, I think I've seen one of our facilities guys walking around. Um, I don't think I've seen anybody else. There's nobody in this entire section of the building. It's very, uh, when you go downstairs for lunch or any reason, you will see a receptionist and that will probably be it because those are, it is so weird. The weirdest thing to me is the parking lot where there's like four cars. Oh my God. I think a good spot. It's great. Yeah, you've got your choice. You can go move into every spot if you want at lunch. I could. I could. Yep. Um, okay. So today is a very special occasion. Uh, we are going to unveil our Professional Book Nerds 2021 Reading Challenge. Also, take this as a reminder that if you're doing our 2020 Reading Challenge, um, email them to us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com and we'll give away, I think we said we're going to give away a device if I remember correctly, which whatever it is, we'll, I'll go back and I'll find what we said we're going to give away. Um, but yeah, we're going to, we'll share with you guys our 12 tasks for 2021. Um, we'll go through those and yeah, it's be pretty fun and then before that jill and i are going to just give some book recommendations on what we've been reading lately um just because we haven't done that in a minute but before we do all those things do you want to tell people how they can get a hold of us jill sure you can go to our website professionalbooknerds.com we're on twitter and instagram at probooknerds and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com yes you can um okay so i did sort of put you on the spot before we start recording but how many books do you want to talk about I have two I can talk about. Okay. Um, I, okay. I also have two I'm going to talk about, but I also, I talk, um, I mentioned this before I read um, Hidden Sea again by Gregory Maguire, which is just like his origin story of the Nutcracker. Um, it's actually his origin story of the toy maker, Dasselmeyer, who makes the Nutcracker, but it's delightful. Um, but I've talked about that a bunch of times. So what is your first of your two books you want to talk about? Actually, this is very fitting. Um, although this book doesn't come out until next summer, so I apologize in advance Amazing. for this. Um, but I read an advanced copy of um, Megan Abbott's forthcoming book, The Turnout, which is, um, you know, if you've read any of Megan Abbott's books, and I love all of them, um, she tends to write, she writes like, you know, domestic thriller type things, usually involving... There's usually some sort of like interplay between um, a relationship between women, usually teenagers sort of play a role, um, whether it's about teenagers or the women had known each other as teenagers. Um, So she sort of examines kind of that part of of, um, a woman's life. And in this, it takes place at a ballet studio. Already I'm like, that sounds great. That's the other thing. Her books, um, there's usually like, it's like a competition aspect almost. Um, so like teenage girls in some form of activity or competition, she's done gymnastics, mm-hmm. cheerleading. Um, one of them, it wasn't 
like an activity, but they were like uh, science students sort of competing for um, recognition in, in academics. So this is at a ballet studio. It is owned by two sisters. Um, their parents had previously owned it. They died and now the sisters have taken it over. And it takes place during the annual Nutcracker performance. Um, and so there are shenanigans at the ballet studio. <laughs> what happens so is these two sisters who are very close. One has recently moved out, though. Um, it's not entirely clear why she moved out of their family home, but you get the sense that something happened. Um, and then there's a fire at the ballet studio where she's been living, and they bring in a contractor to work on the... Um, uh, renovation of the ballet studio all while they're like renovating the studio while they're rehearsing for the Nutcracker and the contractor sort of starts to kind of like infiltrate their lives um so to speak in a very weird way so it was really good um yeah Nutcracker you know if you're looking for like center stage but with murder this would be great um <laughs> Center stages, but with murder, is a great hook. That's so I love that. Um, yeah, it was really good. I love all of her books, and I remember she posted on Instagram like six months ago. Maybe she posted it was just like uh the manuscript with the the title page that just said the turnout. Um, Megan Abbott, and then she had a Nutcracker, like an actual Nutcracker in the image, and I was like. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like it all sort of like I knew I was like, oh, she's it's about ballet and it's the nutcracker. And yeah, so that comes out in July. So put it on hold now. But if you want to if you want to read one of her books now, she was on episode oh my god, I, it was a while ago. I'm kind of ashamed that I looked this up. Uh Megan Abbott was on episode 40 of our podcast, yeah. uh, where we did an interview with her about You Will Know Me, which is the gymnastics thriller that you talked about. Yeah. So um, go back and listen to that if you want to hear baby virgins. I think are we both? I think we might both be on that one. But you better remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. But remember. we should you suck her back on. We should do yeah. back, back on. Talk about the nutcracker. Talk about the nutcracker. Center stage but with murder. Um yeah, back in episode 40. So okay. I have two books that slightly disappointed me for different reasons but they're both wildly popular so I don't feel bad about saying that they disappointed me because I don't think anyone's gonna take my suggestion to like turn away from them for example the first one I want to talk about is The Guest List by Lucy Foley which literally just won a Goodreads Choice Award so I think I'm in the minority with my thoughts on this but um, it is a book that we previewed when it came out and it is promoted as like an Agatha Christie style kind of murder mystery which it is it is this very high profile wedding that is taking place on a tiny island off of the coast of Ireland, I believe. It's like one of those really small islands that you would see, similar to like um, when they filmed one of the Star Wars, the one of the new Star Wars movies was like record, was a piece of it was filmed on one of these. This not important to the story, but there's a wedding going on and it's in this remote island uh, in the sea and um, it kind of jumps back and forth between uh, when the murder has actually happened and immediately after it, as well as 
like the days leading up to the wedding and then the day of the wedding. And so you jump back and forth and you kind of get little bits of little, little bits and pieces of everyone's backstory. It's told in a bunch of different perspectives. So the uh, bride and the groom and the best man and um, the plus one and all these different people who are at the wedding and you're kind of getting different snippets and it slowly turns out that they are all very connected in a certain way. And the thing that I had an issue with is that the way that they become intertwined, that becomes very obvious at the end, I think it leads to it being very obvious who the murderer is. Um, I figured I figured out kind of quickly like the plot and maybe it's just because I read a bunch of Agatha Christie books and I'm like on the lookout for those little tips and things, but like it just seemed the way that they are all connected felt a little impractical in the sense that like no Uh one would be like, Hey, what about this thing that somehow Uh ties us all together that none of us have picked up on? And it feels very like, um, like La Ravio Magnifico in the sense where it's like, at the end, it's supposed to be this big, like, ta-da. And you're like, well, yeah, you should have kind of Uh someone though the entire plot could have been unraveled with someone saying something to another character at some point and they just got it but it's it's good if you like murder mysteries and like that kind of Agatha Christie style it it is that you'll definitely get that feel it just to me I was like this feels a little I don't know I I didn't love it but again I clearly am the minority since it won a Goodreads Choice Award um like this week so but so the guest list is good but I definitely won't like remember I've read it in six months from now when I see it on a list for sure. What's your next one? Sorry, I know that's kind of like, that's more negative than we usually are, but you know, being honest. Fine, fine. Why do you think I keep a spreadsheet? Because I forget books that <laughs> I read. Um, my next one is actually Ready Player Two by Ernest Klein. Um, I enjoy this. I feel, I know, ugh, okay. I know that a lot of people don't like Ready Player One. We obviously, is no surprise. We are big fans of Ready Player One. I understand people's reasons for not liking it. Like that's mm-hmm. with me. One of the interesting things I like comments I have seen um, about Ready Player One is that it's very like cis male centric, and yes. that's one of my. I mean, that's obviously one of mine too. Like you know, you the one female character is treated as like you know, I talk about it how she's like treated like a side quest and not like a fully developed character. To be fair, she's still not really a fully developed character in Ready Player Two. However, Ready Player Two does um, is very similar to Ready Player One. There is, um, you know, a, a quest basically where Wade has to go into um, this world, and it's a new technology that's a little bit more immersive. Um, and if you can believe that more immersive immersive than the oasis um and he has to go on this quest and um collect things and go to these different worlds within um the oasis um uh, uh environment and what he is actually you know if you have read ready player one you know that um between the two um men who developed the oasis there was a girl who kind of came between them turns out she was a bit of a gamer and so this um somewhat follows um the quest i I can't really 
she, you know, it sort of follows her life as part of the quest. So you get to learn a little bit more about Kira, who was um, Og's wife. And um, there's a little bit more of like a girl gamer thing in Ready Player Two. Not a whole, mm-hmm. but a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I think if you, you know, if you like Ready Player One, um, I think you'll like this one. It, it's very similar. It follows a lot of the same beats. You know, there's there's new worlds to discover, which is always fun. Um, there's like a whole like prince planet thing go to. Amazing. Um, and so yeah, it was. I enjoyed it. It was a you know, it was a solid fun read. I read it in like a day. Um, mm-hmm. I I will say this. I will warn you again. We don't go very negative. There's a lot of info dumping in like the <laughs> first like 50 pages. I mean, a lot of info dumping. This is like my one criticism of the book is that, you know, like it it picks up right after Wade has won the challenge from Ready Player One and he has to sort of like um is catch you up to speed about what has happened over the past few years and where this new technology came from and like Wade's not necessarily like once he comes into power of all this stuff he's not really great and there's some choices he makes that he has access to information that is slightly questionable um in terms of being like oh I could just like look this person up do you know what I mean there's like some like privacy stuff that is not good but it's a lot, a lot of info dumping. I mean, it's yeah. just like pages and pages and pages of info dumping. <laughs> I will, I'm warning you in advance, guys. Like, this is a lot of info dumping. And I mean, I can handle info dumping. So if I'm telling you it's like <laughs> an obscene amount of info dumping, it's an obscene amount of info dumping. So just as a warning, the first, like, I want to say like the first like 50 pages, it's kind of a slog to get through. Mm-hmm. I saw a review. I, exactly, I haven't read it yet. I'm, I'm going to the next um, week or so here. Uh, but I saw a review from someone who's on YouTube who's like 18. And they're like, I didn't like it because I didn't get the references. I'm like, well, okay. That's not a review. That's just you not knowing the 80s and culture. Yeah, it pops up a lot. I've seen similar type of things. Um, I mean, Ready Player One and Ready Player Two are sold as adult novels. Like they're for adults. They are for audiences of our age who probably mm-hmm. do understand. That sort of criticism does pop up in YA books though. And I've seen people talk about how, you know, pop culture references often tell you more about the writer than they do the character because like, why yeah. would we know all of this stuff? Like really? And <laughs> I mean, I think they like built it like they, you know, it's built around this idea of he's knows this because it was researched to find out about James Halliday and like to get the prize of the Oasis. But that's also one of the criticisms about Ready Player One is that he's not really like he's not. This is going to sound super gatekeeping and I'm not trying to, but he's not like a fan of these things necessarily. He knows them because of mm. James Halliday. Like it's somewhat surface level. Like he's not necessarily into these video games because he right. loves these video games and he plays them all the time. He loves these video games because James Halliday did and he needed to learn how to play them mm-hmm. in order to get through the. Yeah. 
again, I understand everyone's criticisms, and mm -hmm. I am my own about Ready Player Two. There's some like weird. I think it's almost like because of the complaints about um, how it was like very male focused in Ready Player One, he sort of like overcorrects with LGBTQ stuff in a not also great way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, mm -hmm. it's a it's a fun read, but it 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 has its issues as well. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my other one that I want to talk about. Uh, I don't want to say it disappointed me because it did, but it, it, it I bummed, got bummed out in a different we're like so way. so negative. We're like, you know what? We never talk negatively about books, but today we're going yeah, to. <laughs> we got to 503 episodes of always being positive, and now we're both like, let's tell you why. No, I'll tell you, like, the reason for why I'm slightly disappointed in this book will be very obvious um, when I start talking about it. So it's Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco, who is wonderful. She's a friend of mine. I, she's been on the podcast a couple of times, actually. Um, episodes 168 and 266 she wrote uh hunting prince dracula and escaping houdini and like that really fun um that really fun ya series of historical fiction this is the beginning of a new series which is why uh i'm just gonna say it up front the book ends on a cliffhanger and that's why i was like ugh. but that is through no fault of carrie's it is obviously the point because she wants you to read the next book. That's why I was bummed out because I was like, and I knew it going in that it was the beginning of a series. Yeah. So, and it's a lot of it's a lot of world building, uh, which is okay because it's the story of these two sisters. Um, they're twins, Amelia and Vittoria, and one of them gets brutally murdered, and the other one um, has to figure out what happened. And so they work in this family-owned Sicilian restaurant. Um, and first off. Uh, Carrie's description of you can tell that her family is Sicilian because her descriptions of food in this are off the charts. All I have been craving for the past week is pasta because I can't <laughs> like just the, her descriptions. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I think actually her, um, uh, she dedicates this book to like her family who makes this type of food. I was like, well done by you. But basically what ends up happening, this isn't a spoiler. You find out very, very quickly. So they are witches um, and they live secretly among like humans and they use they don't use their magic for like making the food or anything they try not to use magic too often but they they do and what ends up happening is you learn that the there are princes of hell and they are somehow involved in this plot that to find a wife for one of the other princes of hell it's kind of like rain and it's it's sort of like unleashing like opening the gates of hell and like you find out all these like there's all these things going on where Vittoria and Amelia have these um, pendants that they keep on at all times and they're told they should never take them off. And then you learn that they're like very, very important. And um, so this, the whole story is Amelia going to set out to find her sister's killer. And it's very much like um, it kind of speaking of Ready Player One, Ready Player Two, it kind of reminded me of like a video game in the sense that like she would meet uh, one Prince of Hell, like she would meet Wrath and have a whole interaction with them. And then it was almost like, going on to the next level to meet the next boss on like a specific island and being like oh and this is a different this is pride and like here's his whole like level slash interaction and then like here's envy and it's just i liked it a lot it's really fun but like as i was getting closer and closer to the end i was just like oh of course this isn't gonna have any type of resolution so yeah. um that was my mistake for reading it when immediately you know when it in the year it came out christina our friend who comes on you know frequently she has a uh, rule. She doesn't read a series until the whole series is out, which is 
not a bad idea, but it's great. Kingdom of the Wicked is really, really fun and it's fantastic. And um, if you're into like um, uh, Dante's Inferno and th- like that, it's really like geeky and fun types of, uh, of that sort of aspect. It just don't expect to finish this book and be like, ah, that was satisfying. I can't wait for the next one. You're going to be really, it's like when, um, is it the first or the second Lord of the Rings where it ends like literally? I think the the f- I don't remember. Yeah. There's one of them, it, like ends, like fade to black, kind of like the Sopranos, but you know, there's another one coming. Um, so yeah, Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Maniscalco is, is wonderful. Just, I think if you know that going in, that you're going to be left hanging it might hurt less or maybe it'll hurt more i don't know but i recommend it so i want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor first up is our good friends at literati for kids it's never easy to find the right gift we're always slyly listening for clues as to what they want Uh, but this entire crazy year your little ones have been practically yelling what they want they want adventure laughter camaraderie normalcy. And that's why they need Literati Kids. Literati Kids is a subscription book club that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, handpicked by experts. Literati Kids has book clubs for children's ages 0 to 12, and each club has age-appropriate selections tailored to what your child needs. It's tough sorting through the millions of kids' books that are released every single year. That's true, I can attest. Uh, You want to find the rich, engaging stories for your child, And that's what Literati Kids is going to do for you. Every single month, you're going to get a box. There's going to be five expertly chosen kids books in there with themes like mystery, adventure, STEM, history. These are soul-enriching books, handpicked by leaders in child education. In addition to these incredible books, your children will receive artwork and uh, from world-renowned artists, personalized stickers, and other fun goodies in each monthly box. I love Literati so much. I've been giving it to my nieces and nephews for uh, a really long time now, since actually even before they were a sponsor of our podcast. But recently I got to send my young niece, who is two, her first ever Literati box. Uh, She has a little brother on the way. And so I told my brother she could start learning to read as the little one is up and coming and she, you know, it can be like a little family thing. Uh, we read to the kids, you know, his oldest daughter and I, we read every single Monday night via Zoom or FaceTime. And we've been using her literati books that she's been getting every month for a while now. And so to be able to give my little niece, Eliza, her first box, I got a video of her opening them up and she was just so excited. And just to know that not only are they excited to get these gifts that I'm sending them, but also just that it's going to be something that helps them out as well. Uh, You won't get this kind of expert curation anywhere else. You know, gift subscriptions are available for one, three, six, or 12 months of books. It's a great way to keep the holiday magic going through 2021, whether you're gifting to a niece like I am, a grandson, a child's friend, or a friend's child, or your own. Uh, go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders and pick your kids' book club gift today. Remember, no one else has kids' book clubs like these. Only at literati.com slash probooknerds can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids' books curated by experts delivered to your door every month. That's literati.com slash probooknerds. Make your little one's holiday season unforgettable this year. 
Today's episode is also sponsored by our friends at BlendJet. Man, I love my BlendJet so, so much. Blenders, you know, haven't changed much since they were first invented in 1922. You know, they're, they're big and they're clunky and they're hard to get out of your, you know, pantry and they're just it's tough. And, you know, it'd be really, really awesome if you had the power of a kitchen blender and a sleek water bottle sized device. And you can with the next blend gender from BlendJet, the BlendJet 2 portable blender. When Jill and I got these, we weren't joking how about how excited we are. You know, we both enjoy smoothies uh, every single day. And to have this, it's literally like a one pot m- meal that you can put together in this BlendJet. So, you pour your liquids in there, you put your frozen fruit, you put your spinach, your yogurt, whatever you're going to put in there. And there's little numbers on the side that show you like, okay, I'm putting a cup of this. I'm putting a half a cup in, you know, exactly how much you're pouring in there. And it holds about 16 ounces. So it's around the same size as any water bottle you have. And it blends in just one button. You literally pour everything in there. You push one button and it blends it all up. And it's all literally all in one glass. You don't have to take anything out. You drink it right out of this smoothie or you drink it right out of the blend jet. And then it also self-cleans because uh, you just put a little bit of soap and water in there. You push the button again and it blends it up and you got your soapy water, you rinse it out and you're good to go. It's not just smoothies though. Like I, I really want to focus on the fact that I have made cocktails with this. Uh, I made myself um, a whiskey sour. I have made guacamole with this. And actually just last night I made a roasted red pepper sauce with it. I am addicted to my blend jet. And I'm not just saying that. I love it, love it, love it. It's amazing. You get 15 blends from one hour of charging with a USB port, just like you would a phone or a car or laptop. So it's literally as portable as it can get. Uh, and because it's water resistant, like I said, you can take it, um, I guess, if you wanted to uh, blend yourself a cocktail while you're sitting in a hot tub, or you know, if you've got a warm weather pool by you, no matter what you're doing, blend jet is perfect for you. Uh, at under $50 with fast and free shipping and 16 colors to choose from, the BlendJet 2 makes the perfect gift for everyone on your list. Join the millions of happy customers, myself included, who have upgraded to the BlendJet 2 and have left over 20,000 five-star reviews. Try BlendJet 2 risk-free with their 30-day money-back guarantee. All you have to do is go to blendjet.com slash PBN right now to save an extra 12% on top of their already discounted price. Save an extra 12% at blendjet.com slash PBN. That's blendjet.com slash PBN. Okay, let's get into our, our reading challenge. Yeah. So for people who may be who may have just started listening this year at some point, uh, for the past couple of years, Jill and I have made our own reading challenge because I think if you have a book podcast or a blog or anything like that. It's, you have to make a book, you have to make a reading challenge for every year. Got to do it. Um, book Riot has a very famous one. Our friends at uh, Reading Glasses have their own. Ours is just 12. It's not overwhelming. In fact, some of these you can get through really quickly this year. Um, but we'll just go through some, go, th- uh, go through them and talk a little bit about each ones and maybe why we picked them. And then um, we'll put the actual sheet that Jill is making um we'll put it on our website and then we'll also there'll be a blog on overdress we'll make you, you'll be able to grab it it'll be very available um so you want to talk about the first one a little bit sure so 2020 been, has been a rough year um and those poor authors who debuted 
<laughs> the yeah. challenge. So our first one is to read a 2020 debut book that you didn't read in 2020. Basically, we want to give support to all those authors who published this year and maybe didn't have um, as much reach as they would have under a because there were no conferences and there were no like events they could go to. So yeah, so read a 2020 debut. Yeah, and I feel like we tried throughout the year to do to bring on authors who were debuts and new authors, but even still like, and if you need to email us professionalbookers.com if you want some recommendations from some that came out in 2020. Yeah, these people, these authors who are trying to make it full time as authors, um, they just were hit with a very, you know, horrible stroke of luck with you know everything. Obviously, it's just one aspect of of COVID, but yeah, go back and read one. Um, just there's a just because it was a weird year of releases doesn't mean there aren't amazing books that came out. So mm-hmm. uh, this second one is one that. Jill came up with that. I think is really, really fun. Reread a book you've read before, but in a different format. So do you want to describe? I, I loved this idea. So I've said before that I love David Sedaris, although, well, okay. Anyway, um, I like David Sedaris's writing. <laughs> there you go. And I've never actually read a single word of his books. I only have ever listened to the audiobooks of mm-hmm. David Sedaris. And so that this would be an instance where I could... You know, like it's the holiday, so I, I could read Holiday on Ice, but read the act like the, the physical book or the ebook. So, um, yeah, so, you know, if you've only, if you've read a book that you've really enjoyed, you've listened to the audiobook version, or, you know, if there's an audiobook that you really like, go ahead and read the, the ebook or physical version. Yeah. And this is something where you get totally different experiences depending on the format. Like, for it, if there's like a drinking game i'm about to pick up a thing that would be a drinking game thing for us uh daisy jones and the six or the starless sea like those are those are jill and i's like favorite books and if between reading them and listening to the audiobooks are totally different experiences and they're both amazing um but yeah just there's so many different like a lot of um musicians like ben folds who's on the podcast last mm-hmm. year his memoir he plays a lot of piano throughout it because he's a musician. And it's like, that's just not stuff you could get. Whereas like, if you listen to an audiobook, but there's a lot of visuals in the book, they'll be like, here's where you should probably go look at a picture that I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, so I love, yeah, I love this one. What's our next one? Um, so last year we had read a book that was published between 2000 and 2010. This year we have read a book published between 1990 and 2000. Yeah. Just gonna go further and further back. This is because we needed to figure out twelve of these. No, but also I think like our whole thing was like when we did the two thousand to two thousand and ten, we thought, well, these are probably it's not so old that they would have been like you know, it was like this time period where you're like it's like thirty years ago. There's probably twenty years ago. There's probably books that you forgot about that came out in that time period that you would you know what i mean like really mm-hmm. like sometimes i go back through like old new york times bestseller list and i was like oh yeah that book <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just said 30 years ago for 1990 and i got heart palpitations but you're right somebody tweeted earlier this week they're like we can all agree that 1980 was 20 years ago right like i just yep <laughs> so that's 30 years my god yep. um 
our next one is pretty uh, obvious, but I know we put it on from last year's as well. Um, read a book by an LGBTQ plus author. Uh, we will continue to bring on and support the LGBTQ plus community and their authors on our podcast all throughout our year. Um, but I just, you know, it's very, it's obvious why we, we all people and all backgrounds should be represented. And so if this isn't a book, these aren't the types of books you might usually read. It's you find yourself enjoying a new author that maybe you wouldn't have actively picked out on your own. So yeah, read a book by an LGBTQ plus author. Next one is read a book by an author who's been interviewed on the podcast. Listen, y'all, if you go to professionalbookners.com, there's a little search button at the top. We have done 504 episodes now and over half of them are author interviews. Some of those author interviews have multiple authors in the same podcast. You can find somebody. This is also us shamelessly being like, you can see all of our author. You There's literally a search bar or a there's a listen button on there where you can scroll through all of our old authors. Yeah, there's, <sighs> there's a lot of author interviews. There's a lot of them. There's so many. Okay, maybe there aren't slightly as many as I said because people like Marika have been on multiple times and Marie Bennett sure, is still... Sure. So almost three hundred like 200 or 300 on there that yeah. are reviews. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So plus that way you'll end up reading one of their backlist books almost certainly, which is yeah. delightful for them. Um, uh, next, uh, the next one, this is, this was a good idea by you as well. A book that you've never read that you've seen the screen adaptation for. So for example, for me, I watched Little Fires Everywhere, but I am the last person on earth who has not yet read the book. So I could do Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng for this as my idea or for mm-hmm. my pick. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But you, yeah, you like, you, I think you read the book like right before the. I did. You were like, we're the last two people and now I'm the last person. Yeah, we are the last two people. Somehow, I don't, I don't know what I thought Little Fires Everywhere was about. I think I remember having this conversation with you because when the trailer dropped, I was like, that's what it's about. How have I not read it yet? <laughs> and my response was like, I don't know. Cause I didn't know what it was about either. I don't know what I thought it was about. I think I just thought it was just like about people living in Shaker Heights, like literary fiction. I'm like, that's boring. But I'm like, Oh, there's like, Oh, like the fire is literal. There's like a mm-hmm. fire fire and you don't, and there's like, family drama this sounds fantastic <laughs> yeah also the fact that it's from shaker heights which for those of you not in northeast ohio which is the majority of you that's in our area which mm-hmm. will come around later as another suggestion that we have here but like should have got i should have gotten excited to see that a, a wildly successful book was based in this area but i was just like mm, not yet okay what's our next one a nonfiction book by a woman woman historian yeah so this I'm really I think we might have borrowed this or a version of this from someplace else because I love this idea a lot. Jokingly, we said you can't use Marie Benedict because she writes historical fiction, even though she's telling stories about women in history. Uh, I was joking about a friend of ours that could be used for one of these later ones, but you could use um, Mallory Ramirez's book, uh, the you know Lady from the Black Lagoon, if you want, because she's technically I have heard herself call herself a historian, so. Or her girly drinks when it comes out. Or girly all about. Drinks, which we're going to talk about um, yeah. in a couple of suggestions. This is just a 
Mallory O'Meara Stanton podcast now. Um, oh, we should also point out, I should have said this at the beginning. Speaking of Mallory and her wonderful co-host, Bria, Jill and I are going to be doing a special event with them. Uh, it's going to come out on our feeds on Christmas Eve, I think, for theirs as well. But go listen to their episodes. They're t- we're doing a like kind of page to screen book club where the four of us are reading A Christmas Carol. And we're going to talk about A Muppet Christmas Carol, the best version of A Christmas Carol. Um, and that'll be really, really fun. So anyway, yeah, read a, a nonfiction book by a woman historian. Um, next one is read a play, which I have done a bunch of searching on overdrive.com. You can borrow a ton of plays on Libby from your library. Um, it's fun because I have the stage directions. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend Ibsen's A Dollhouse or Death of a Salesman. Very great. But yeah, I feel like people definitely don't usually read plays if they are not in the theater community. So it's, it's fun to see. <laughs> it's fun to see like, again, like the stage direction to get an idea of like what is happening and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. This next one. <laughs> We've talked before, again, 2020 has been quite a year, and we've talked before about how reading books is hard, like just having the attention span to read a book and finish one is hard. So you know what, guys? Read a picture book. (laughs) Just any picture book. Don't even care. Just read a picture book. Um, You mentioned, I think there's a new new crayon one coming out. There's a new crayon one. I don't remember when. And of course, people don't have kids. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But I did see that there. Um, um, Harold is he the one with the crayons? The what? Different. Harold is isn't he the one? No, with the it was the or... it was the day the crayons quit. There's a mm. new book coming in the day the crayons quit series. Uh, yes, but I don't remember what it's called or any of that stuff. So that's not super helpful for anybody. But yeah, there's we should I like we should even make like we should add slightly because you're reading a picture book like don't just pick like a dr seuss book i love dr seuss books. whatever okay all right i was gonna say like pick one that you maybe haven't heard of like like raj haldor was on our podcast recently even if you don't have kids like the the worst alphabet book in the world is so good i mean that is a good one um read read a picture book i don't care they can read dr seuss whatever whatever um, the next one is read a book by an author from your city or state. Um, as I've mentioned roughly a thousand times, Toni Morrison is from where I'm from. We could do that. We could do Celeste Ng, who is from Ohio and Shaker, as you mentioned. Um, we didn't want to just do city because you may be from a smaller town where there aren't authors. Um, but yeah, if, or if, if I guess this also technically be province, would that be? How this works if it if they're out of the United States? Oh, yeah, like a Canadian province. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Wherever uh, your area, area, yeah. So yeah, just get some local flavor. Whatever you guys, just mm-hmm. make it up. If it fits, you know, we're pretty. Yeah, we're not gonna hold. We're not gonna hold your feet to the fire. We're not gonna What's be like, no, one? this doesn't count. Um, the next one is. Oh, this is a fun one. Okay, so read a cookbook, find a recipe that you haven't made before, and make it. Also, you should take pictures. Do it for the gram. Yeah, do it for the gram and tag us for the gram. Um, 
the three things I follow on Instagram, book things, dog things, and food things. So I very much want to see your pictures of food because I want new recipes all the time. Um, like Jill said, you could borrow when it comes out, Mal Romero's new book, Girly Drinks, and make a cocktail. That's totally fine. There is a book. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm going to look it up in real time um, because they are from this area. Uh, the side quest book. Um, mm-hmm, hang on. So there is a fabulous, fabulous uh, bar by us. I'm trying to find this in real time. I think it's called Tales from the Side Quest Bar. Um, I'm going to look it up. So there is a wonderful bar by us called Side Quest. And it is a, it's like a tabletop gaming. um, It's like a nerd ready player one type. It's literally, yeah, like a nerd ready player one um, bar. And so like when you walk in, there are people, you know, in a real world where you could, (laughs) where you could actually go to a bar. Um, they have people playing video games, people playing tabletop games. They do, um, incredible, like random nights where they do Chronicles of Narnia drink specials. Um, and they, ha, I, let's see, there's, they have one book called a year of queer cocktails. I think this is it. A year of queer cocktails, cocktails from the side quest bar. Um, so they put together a COVID-19 fundraiser, uh, where they put together this drink list that they make and you can buy it they are not only is side quest a bar in cleveland it is directly in front of my townhome community (laughs) literally i can see it when i walk outside um and so they're kind of like like the most in a city which is lakewood where they are located which is an inclusive city they're like the most inclusive place they will they welcome everyone of every race gender identity sexual orientation everything and they made this amazing uh, technically recipe book called the year of queer cocktails. I will also say one of their, um, one of their bartenders, one Cleveland's best bartender of the year. So, you know, these cocktails are delicious. So, okay. And every, and if you purchase it, uh, it all goes to like their, uh, their workers and, and staff. So a year of queer cocktails and then take the pictures. Sorry. I just rambled because I love this place so much. I miss it. Fine. Fine. Okay, we have one more. What is it? It is to read a book about a book. Listen, we all love books about books. They're so good. Um, th- if you want to, I'm sure we'll, we're going to do a whole, I, I'm just deciding. We're going to do a whole episode on this next year because there's so there's many books about books. Yeah. Um, but yeah, read a book about a book. It is, it is what it is. So those are our 12. Um, those are all of the different things you can do. Like I said, if you want to email us recommendations, we'll do that, but we'll also, we'll do several, um, we'll do several episodes on, on some mm-hmm. of these to help out like we usually do. Um, I think that's everything for today. I think so. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. So email us your 2021s if you have them. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. 
Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.